Let us begin now with the next part of this talk on Mary, which is going to focus on Marian consecration. Now, what does that mean? This also scares a lot of people. I'm not consecrated to anyone but the Lord. That's a good thing. That's a true thing. Well, then, Father, what's this Marian consecration stuff? When someone or something is consecrated, what does it mean? It means it is set apart to be holy. That's what it means to be consecrated. Do we consecrate people or things? I heard people. True. Do we consecrate things? Yes. Is the church consecrated? Yeah. Marrying consecration shouldn't scare you. It's basically dedicating yourself to Jesus using the help of Mary. This is all it is. Here it means entrustment. Mary, I trust you to get me to Jesus. That's what I'm entrusting. I'm entrusting her to show me the way. I'm trusting her. She knows Jesus better than I do. She knows Jesus better than any of us. She helped form him in the womb. This works this works because Marian consecration, as I said, when something is consecrated, it's set aside to be holy. What it means is you're dedicating yourself to God through the help of Mary. This is what's important. It means entrustment to her that she's going to get us to Jesus. This works because, as I said, nobody knows Jesus better than his mother. Now, when you entrust yourself to her, you give her all of your spiritual merits and you let her apply them. Any of, here, of you here use a broker? What is a broker? A broker is somebody you trust. You give your resources, your money, and you say, put it to the best use. Make me a return on my investment. When you give your spiritual merits to Mary and you do prayers or rosaries or chaplets and you put it in her hand, you're telling her to invest it. Mary, apply this to where it best belongs. You know, it's funny because when I first came back to the Catholic faith, I caught fire. I mean, I was this lukewarm, didn't like to go to church kind of guy. And when I found Divine Mercy, which we're going to talk about heavily on Tuesday, I came back to the faith with a vengeance. And I wanted to pray for everyone and everything. Is this possible? Not for us. So it got before my pride would allow me to realize I couldn't do it. I tried. In fact, I tried praying for all my family and friends that I could remember daily. Then it got to be a little too many, so I started writing them down. Then it started getting a little bit too much for one day, so I split them into days of the week. So mom and dad, you're Tuesday. <laughs> Pam, you're Wednesday, along with a boatload of other people. Family, friends, relatives, deceased, living. And it got to be so much that then they lost their weekly slot. Then they only got monthly slots. I kept mom and dad and Pam, my sister, on weekly slots, but everybody else had to be relegated to monthly slots. It got to be overwhelming. I couldn't do it. It was driving me crazy in my scrupulosity. Oh my gosh, I'd wake up at four in the morning, I forgot to pray for Uncle Carl. It got to be so heavy on me. Don't do that. The best thing that you could do is take all those merits of your prayers, your masses, your rosaries, your chaplets, your sufferings, your joys, your sorrows, 
give them into the hands of Mary and then say, Mary, you're my broker. You distribute these prayers where they are most needed. You know what Mary in consecration is when I do my prayers every day? I simply say before in the morning and at the end when I go to bed, Mary, I'm going to send you a boatload of suffering today. I'm going to send you a boatload of prayers. I'm going to send you masses, especially if it's Sunday mass. I was just in Peachtree, Georgia. I did seven masses last weekend. That's a boatload of grace. Mary, I'm sending it all your way. You do with it as you see fit. Now, Mary, I have one request. Instead of rattling off all my cousins, brothers, relatives, friends, all that, I said, Mary, all I ask is you please help the soul I am most obligated to pray for and the soul most in need of God's mercy. I might not even know that soul. You know, um, a couple of the mystics tell us that one woman, I don't know if you all know her, Gloria something, she got struck by lightning. I don't know if any of you know Paulo, Gloria Paulo or something like that. She said she was saved after she got struck by lightning from a stranger because the stranger saw her ad about her getting struck by lightning and in a coma in the newspaper. And he fell to his knees and he prayed for her. Didn't even know her. So when you give your merits to Mary, you let her, all you tell her is, Mary, please give these to the soul I'm most obligated to pray for or the soul most in need of God's mercy. She'll do the rest. You put her into her hands. You put it. This is what Marian consecration is. It's dedicating ourselves to Jesus through the help of Mary. You entrust to her and give her all your merits. Then she works the things out for you. In Catholic teaching, consecration to Mary does not diminish or substitute the love of God. It doesn't. It actually enhances it. How? Because for all consecration is ultimately made to God. Mary takes you to God. This is what Vatican II teaches. Calling upon Mary's intercession, quote, does not hinder in any way the immediate union of the faithful with Christ, but on the contrary, fosters it. That's Lumen Gentian. Now I'm going to play a special clip of my good friend, Father Mike. What is Marian consecration and why should you do it? That's what I want to cover in the short time that we have together right now. And I'm going to start backwards. Why should you do it? Before I tell you what it is, why should we do it? Well, because according to St. Louis de Montfort, he says that total consecration to Jesus through Mary is the quickest, easiest, surest, and most perfect way to become a saint. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to become a saint and I also need all the help I can get. Maybe you're the same way. So what do we do? We do the Marian consecration, the total consecration of Jesus through Mary. Well, what is it? Basically, the best sort of short summary I can give of it is if we go to the foot of the cross and we look at Jesus and we read chap John, the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 26 through 27, where Jesus looks down and he sees his mother at the foot of the cross and he sees John, the beloved disciple, who represents all of us because we're all beloved disciples of Jesus. And looking and seeing his mother, he says, woman, Behold your son. And then to John, behold your mother. And the text continues that he then took her into his own home. That's what Marian consecration is. It's a gift that Jesus gives to us from the cross of 
of his own mother as our mother. And he invites us to accept Mary into our hearts as our mother and bring her into our own home. And what he means by our own home means into our hearts, that we share with her our joys, our sorrows, our hopes, our fears, and that we walk with Mary who is always leading us to Jesus. And basically what the consecration is then is it's to say yes to this this invitation of Jesus from the cross. It's to say, yes, Jesus, I accept the gift that you give to me of Mary as my spiritual mother. I receive her, I love her just as you love her, and I will allow her to form me in holiness just as you allowed her to form you when you were a little baby and teach you how to pray in some ways. So Jesus, thank you for, it's basically saying, Jesus, thank you for the gift of your mother, and I accept it, and I'll take all the help I can get. And so that's the gift of Marian consecration. Probably my favorite part about it is that it's the easiest way. And what that means is we as Christians will still carry the cross in our lives, right? That's the job of Christian life is to take up our cross and follow Jesus. The beauty of having Mary as part of our lives is she helps make the crosses into something sweet. That just as our mothers when we're sick gives us medication and if it's bitter, she puts honey on the spoon when we take it and it's not so bad. That's what Mary can do with the crosses in our life. It's an incredible gift. I consecrated myself to Jesus through Mary when I was a freshman in college, and it changed my life. Everything changed. John Paul II, he consecrated himself to Jesus through Mary when he was 18, and he said it was the decisive turning point in his life. So I invite you to make the total consecration of Jesus through Mary, and if I may do a shameless book plug, I wrote a book about it to make it easier than ever before to do the consecration. It's called 33 Days to Morning Glory, uh, and it's a 33-day preparation for Marian consecration. You can get it through Marian Press at 1-800-4-MARIAN. And I hope you'll do the consecration. God bless you. Okay, awesome. Now everybody, could everybody hear that? Okay. Now, first of all, who here has done 33 Days to Morning Glory with Father Michael Gately's program? Okay, good. If you haven't done it, let me tell you something. There's a special time coming up this year. You know when Divine Mercy Sunday is this year? It's April 28th, which happens to be actually the day that the first Divine Mercy Sunday was in 1935. It was April 28th. Now, do you know whose feast day is April 28th? St. Louis de Montfort, who actually gave us Marian consecration. Now, if you do the 33 days to morning glory... You'll have 33 days of preparation and you will consecrate on the 34th day. And does anybody know what that day is? May 31st. And what is special about May 31st? It's Father Chris's ordination date. No, just kidding. <laughs> Actually, it is. That, that's true. But what's powerful is that is the feast of Mary in several ways. First of all, the visitation. The visitation of Mary where she was consecrating everything to God, her life, everything. It's also the feast of Mary, Mediatrix of all graces, that we are given permission in Belgium. So this is powerful time. So you might want to consider doing it this year if you haven't done it already. Okay, now, Marian consecration, if you listen to Father Mike, is basically saying yes to the gift of God's mother, just like John did at the cross. Now, this is interesting here. When I said this one time at a talk that Jesus gave Mary to John at the cross, just like Father Mike pointed out, somebody actually came to me and says, well, Father, my Protestant neighbor said that's because John needed a mother. He probably didn't know how to cook. <laughs> and so Jesus was giving him a mom to take care of him. Now, I thought that's very interesting. 
that John needed a mother. But you know what? How do we know that John didn't need a mother? Where was John's mother when Jesus gave John, I'm sorry, when Jesus gave Mary to John on the cross? Where was John's mother? Next to him. She was at the cross. We know this from Matthew 27, verse 55 and 56. The mother of the sons of Zebedee was there. Who are the sons of Zebedee? James and John. So Jesus must have been referring to Mary's spiritual motherhood because John's mom was already there. She was next to him. Clearly, John did not need a natural mother to care for or for her to care for him. He already had one. So this is important. This is Jesus giving us his spiritual motherhood of Mary. The essence of Marian consecration is to give Mary our yes. I give you permission, Mary, to form me like another Christ. She formed Jesus. Form me. She formed him in the womb. She can form us in a similar way if we let her. Don't we all want to be Christ-like? She formed Jesus in his human nature. This is powerful. You need to trust him. Jesus, I trust in you by using the tools he gave you. This is the best tool he gave you. Jesus said what hurt him the most during his passion, he told St. Faustina, was souls who don't trust him and the grace he gives them. You can't get any more of a beautiful grace in, in a gift than his mother. As Father Mike said, it's the quickest, easiest, surest, and most perfect way to become a saint. Who doesn't want to become a saint? And St. Louis de Montfort, Jesus came into the world through Mary, so we should also go through Mary. Let's look at this Maximilian Kolbe quote. Can everybody see that? All right. Never be afraid of loving the Blessed Virgin too much. You can never love her more than Jesus did. I love it. What's this one? The Immaculate alone has from God the promise of victory over Satan. She seeks souls that will consecrate themselves entirely to her, that will become in her hands forceful instruments for the defeat of Satan and the spread of God's kingdom. Does defeating Satan and spreading the God, the kingdom of God, sound like a distraction to you? That's what you do in Marian consecration. It's not a distraction. Now, let's keep going. Mary is being used by God in our present day. And you all know the story, right? You all know the story that Maximilian, excuse me, Maximilian Kobe, he comes in a minute, but who I think is the greatest pope of, of church history. I think John Paul II was the second. But I think the greatest pope ever in the history of the church was Leo XIII. I can give you a long talk on that later if you want to stay till midnight. But Leo XIII overheard a conversation after Mass one day in 18, uh, 1884. And in 1884, he overheard a conversation between God and Satan. And Satan said, uh, between Jesus and Satan, and Jesus and Satan were discussing, and Satan said, you know what, I can bring down your church. And Jesus said, you think so? He said, yes, but I only, I need more time and I need more, more I'm going to say more money. I need more time and I need more power. And what do you think Jesus said? 
You got it. Why? Scripture tells us we must be tried. We must be tried to make sure that our love is proven true. Can can somebody tell you they love you? I can tell you all day long I love you, but until the test is really shown, when something really, when the chips are down, do we really see if someone loves us? So anyway, Satan said, I need more time and I need more power. And Jesus said, how much power? He said, enough power to sway those souls that are on the fence, those lukewarm sinners. And Jesus says, you have the power. And then Satan says, and I need the time. And Jesus said, how much time? And he says, I need about 100 years. Now, there's a debate amongst theologians when, theologians when that 100 years began. People like Father Apostoli, God rest his soul, believe that the 100 years began right then and there in 1884. Now, what's interesting is the date. The date was October 13th, 1884. What happened 100 years later to the day on October 13th, 1984? The Detroit Tigers won the World Series. (laughs) This is true. This is very true. But obviously, that's not the answer I'm looking for. What happened was 100 years later, And actually, the date was um, significant in a sense. It was earlier in the year. John Paul II consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And we're going to talk about this in a minute. Some people don't believe that it was consecrated, but we'll talk about this in a minute. Now, other people believe that the reign of Satan began in 1917. What happened in 1917? Whoa, it was bad. First of all, you had World War I raging. Secondly, y'all ever hear of Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood? Guess what she did in 1917? She opened up the first birth control clinic. She formed and built or produced a movie, a movie in 1917 called Birth Control. It was scandalous. She actually spent time in jail. And earlier, 1916, she opened the first birth control clinic. At the time the angels were appearing to the children, guess where? Fatima. Now, what else was going on in 1917? The communists were spreading their errors around the world. Communism was a threat. It was the first time that the Judeo-Masonic bankers took their first nation, and they did in Russia. What was God's answer in 1917, right here. Fatima and Maximilian Kolbe. Maximilian Kolbe, and you know what's interesting? 33 years later to the day that Louis XIII heard that discussion between Christ and Satan, October the 13th, guess what happened 33 years later to the day, October 13th, 1917? The miracle of the sun. The miracle of the sun. Powerful. Mary's showing that she is intercessing for us. So what happened in 1917 in October? Maximilian Kolbe started the Mission Immaculata. You could see Satan forming his army and God forming his army. Now we have to make a choice. As Billy Graham says, You choose today who you're going to serve. 
What army are you going to enlist? Are you going to enlist in the army of darkness? Are you going to enlist in the forces of God? Because they were being formed throughout all history. But the battle lines are being drawn in 1917. Now, God's answer is Fatima. Fatima. Now, I just want to touch really briefly on the question, and many people will argue with me on that, and that's okay. Has Russia been consecrated? <laughs> Has Russia been consecrated? All right, let's look at this for a minute. First of all, we Marians of the Immaculate Conception stand in line with the Vatican, who has made an official statement in the year 2000 stating that, yes, in fact, Russia has been consecrated. And it happened because there was a couple failed attempts. This is true. When all the bishops were not gathered together, John Paul actually tried it a couple times prior. He did it in 1984, and he consecrated at the time. He said the world, and a lot of people said he didn't specifically say Russia, but he specifically said afterwards that I included Russia. And the whole thing, in fact, the world apostolate of Fatima, the head, a guy by the last name of David Carollo, stated, and he made a great quote in Father Michael's book, that by the time the consecration was finally done in 1984, because our Lord was not happy, it was late, very late. And our Lord said, because it was late, errors were going to spread everywhere around the world. And errors have spread around the world because of the communism and atheistic society. Please, whatever you can do to educate your children, please instruct them they don't even know what they're being taught. Socialism is not the answer. It is not. We have seen what socialism and communism does. Now, I'm not advocating unbridled or capitalism either because in, in unbridled capitalism, the corporation is God. The problem in communism and socialism, the state is God. We need God to be God, all right? Socialism is not the answer. And our kids are learning that it is today. This is nuts. Now, the point is, God was not happy that the consecration of Russia would be so delayed. And he said, there will be errors spread everywhere. Mary said this. Now, what ended up happening is this. Mary said, in order for the reign of her immaculate heart and the conversion of Russia, which have we seen yet? Have we seen the conversion of Russia and the reign of the immaculate heart? Have we seen it? No. Well, that must mean that Russia is not consecrated, right? Because didn't Mary say Russia has to be consecrated before the triumph of the Immaculate Heart and the conversion of Russia? Correct? Yeah. But you're forgetting something. That was only half the deal. Yes, Russia had to be consecrated. But guess what? You have no say over that. That's not your worry. That's not your concern. That's between God, the Holy Father, and the bishops. You are not concerned about whether or not Russia was consecrated. I mean, you can pray and all that, but you are not to be called by the church to be a spokesperson to speak from the walls of the Vatican saying that the Russia has not been consecrated. That's not our job. That's the Holy Father's job. However, Mary did say yes, that in order for the triumph of the Immaculate Heart and for the conversion of Russia, Russia must be consecrated. So what's happened? If we haven't seen this yet, if we haven't seen the triumph of the Immaculate Heart, we have not seen yet the conversion of Russia. Has Russia been consecrated? 
Well, a lot of you just said yes. And I just said the Vatican said yes. So what's going on here? What's, what's the problem? Well, Mary said two things needed to happen before the conversion of Russia and the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. The first one involved the Pope and the bishops. That was the consecration of Russia. Does anybody know what the second one is? Huh? Five first Saturdays. Mary said that is our job. How many here, please don't give me a show of hand because I'll cry. How many here are doing five first Saturdays? Mary called us to do this. She said, this has to happen as well as the consecration of Russia. So if consecration of Russia has happened, but yet the conversion and the triumph of the Immaculate Heart is not, guess who's to blame? Us. Us. How many here are doing the five first Saturdays? What is it? Five first Saturdays are where the five first Saturdays of five consecutive months. So whatever it falls on, the next will be April. So whatever the first Saturday in April is, you go to confession, you receive Holy Communion, you pray the rosary, and you spend 15 additional minutes meditating on one or more of the mysteries. It's really not that hard. It's not. This is what we haven't done to fulfill the request of Fatima. Everybody focused on the consecration of Russia. And the Vatican says it's already happened. But nobody's talking about have we done our part. No, we haven't. So please help us in this cause. This is very important. Five first Saturdays. Now, do you have to be a saint to make an impact? Do you have to be a saint? Remember, I love this quote. I think it was St. Therese. Saints are simply sinners who keep on trying. God can use anybody, even this guy. I love Reagan. I am a huge Reagan fan. I'm like, there's a man's man, this guy. Now, do you know the story about him? I just want to tell this really funny. You know, God doesn't use just saints. Ronald Reagan and John Paul II were both shot in the spring of 1981, right? They were told, both of them said to each other that they believed God spared them for a special purpose. They met, they became friends. They both should have died in transit, both of them, but they survived. They believed mutually that their mission was to bring down communism. Why? because we don't like the people? No, it's because it's atheistic ideology. Now, it is proven that the Soviets were behind the assassination attempt of John Paul II. This is proven fact. The KGB was behind this. Now, Reagan, after this happened, remember when John Paul II was shot? He asked for two things in the, in the hospital. Does anybody know what John Paul II, two things John Paul asked for in the hospital? The third secret of Fatima and what else? The diary of St. Faustina. There's a connection. We'll talk about that Tuesday. Now, Reagan, at the same time, also had an intense interest in Fatima. And guess what he did? He went there. Can you imagine? That wasn't that big of a deal then. 
The press thought it was great. Some of our former administrations, if the president would have went there, we'd have lawsuits, these supporting Christian religion. Well, anyway, he went there and Reagan mentioned Mary and the three children in his talk. He wasn't even Catholic at the time. Might have had a deathbed conversion, I don't know. But he said, quote, in simple people like the children of Fatima, there is more power than all the armies of the world. This is Reagan. And do you know Reagan died in 2004, right? Do you know Ronald Reagan had one request for his funeral? And he asked Nancy, and Nancy honored it. You know what that was? Sing Ave Maria at his funeral. Now, how beautiful. You know, he was raised right down the road from Bishop Fulton Sheen. Beautiful. Now, I want to finish tonight with a couple devotions. We talked about Fatima, and I feel you cannot forget Fatima without mentioning Our Lady of Guadalupe. Right? This is powerful stuff. Everybody know the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe, right? Uh, St. Juan Diego. Poor peasant, walking, just strolling around, and Mary appears to him on top of the hill, summons him. He says, you can't use me. She's like, oh, yeah, I will. And he says, what do you want, Our Lady? She wants a church built on Tepeyac in the hill in Mexico. Now, he says, I can't do that. And so he goes and tells the bishop, and the bishop doesn't believe him. But the bishop says, you know what? You go back and have another conversation with this lady. And he had a secret in his mind that if something happened, then he would believe it. And what it was, Mary fulfilled. And he came back later and he opened up his tilma and the roses that the bishop had been thinking in his mind if this happens and this is truly Our Lady and dumped the roses all over. And what was in the inside of that tilma that he opened up? What was on that tilma? The image that you see on the screen before you. This is very powerful. She, in this image, is extremely symbolic and active. Now, first of all, in this image, she's in front of the sun. Y'all see that? All right, let's look at this. This is the sun going around here, right? So on this, you see this is Mary in front of the sun. Now, why? Because it showed that she was greater than the Aztec sun god. She basically was stomping it out. Now, the stars, you see these stars? I'm sorry, here, the stars. This is fascinating because the stars on the tilma are the same as what the constellations were in that sky on December the 12th, 1531. Let's look a little closer here. See this here? First of all, and I better move my thing here. You can't really read the writing, but I'm going to read it to you. This is a little summary. Here's the woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet. You see this moon? This is Mary in the book of Revelation. The ribbon is a symbol of virginity. It's the high, in the highly placement indicate she is with child. That's a higher place. The colors that are given here, you know that they can't duplicate the colors on this tilma. And the colors change, right? 
she right here, her eyes contain images visibly only through modern technology. They blew up the eyes. And what they found is an image of Juan Diego and the bishop. And the image of Juan Diego and the bishop is skewed in such a way that it would be what you would see on a 3D eye. But it is not what could possibly exist on a flat surface. The tilma is a flat surface. We talked about the stars. What about the flower here? This was, these are, um, I, I forget how to pronounce it, but anyway, they're native, uh, in the native language, um, they, they contained messages. So this here is a very powerful image. So we can put the lights back on. And we want to continue on a couple of the things on here. As I said, she was with child wearing an Aztec maternity belt. Her hands, you can see, are in prayer, showing that there is someone greater than her. And her finger is pointing to the Spanish cross. This image is almost 500 years old. What is it made out of? Cactus. You know how long cactus usually takes to decay? 30 years. This image is almost 500 and shows no sign of decay. There are no brush strokes on this image. And as I said, they cannot duplicate the color. And it changes color and it changes size. How do you explain that? Kodak of Mexico said that the image has qualities of a photograph. But we know that this exact image existed 300 years before photography. But Kodak of Mexico says it has all the images of a photograph. The image cannot be duplicated exactly by a brush or a camera. Even the pictures that you see taken of it cannot duplicate it exactly. There are images, as I said, of Juan Diego in the eyes. This is very interesting. They've even said tradition is that they held a stethoscope up to Mary's womb and they heard a heartbeat. This is fascinating. And the moon under the feet, what's that the shape of? What kind of moon? Crescent moon. You know how they always say, well, the three great world's religions are Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, but only one of us believes in Jesus? Well, let's look at this. If before Christ comes, all three great religions are going to be reconciled to Christ, how's that going to happen? Well, let's look at the Jews. How did the Jews believe and what did they believe the Messiah would be? The reason they rejected Jesus is because their idea of a Messiah was somebody to come storming in, riding horseback, sword drawn to conquer the enemy. Jesus came as a poor pauper in a manger, battered and tattered. He wasn't their idea of a Messiah. But how is Jesus going to come the second time? With a horse, sword, conquering warrior and will put his enemies under his feet. That, I believe, will reconcile the Jews. Now, Islam, who does Islam have more respect and honor for of any woman in all of Islam? Mary. She's in the Quran. I believe Mary is the way that's going to bring Islam to Christ. You see, God knows what he's doing. We don't know exactly how, but we believe that God can make a greater good. All right, now let's go on. I'm going to give you just two more devotions. And you know what? You may never even heard of them. But the reason I'm going to give you these two devotions is I've tried them all. And these two work. I can tell you these two work. These two have never failed me. And I don't use them on every little thing like, gee, Lord, I hope that I can receive from the mail a special gift of a new fishing rod. <laughs> For the one I broke of my father's. No, I don't. I wait for the big and the heavy stuff. 
but I pull out two devotions and they've worked every single time. The first one is Our Lady Undoer of Knots. Eve tied up the first knots. Mary is undoing them. If there are knots in your life, pray this novena. You can find it online. In fact, Mary is also on a crescent moon here. Also, Pope Francis brought it over from Germany to Argentina. This is his favorite devotion. You want to read the history of this? I'm sorry, I'm running out of time. I don't have time, but it is incredible. And then finally, the one that I really want to talk about. Anybody know what this one is? What is it? Excellent. Bingo. Excellent job, ladies. This is Our Lady of Good Success. This is a tremendous devotion. This goes back to an apparition to a nun in Ecuador in the 1600s. And listen to this. Back then, she predicted spiritual catastrophe in the Catholic Church and in society beginning shortly after the middle of the 20th century. Here's what she said. There would be widespread moral corruption, the profanation of the sacrament of matrimony. Boy, we've seen that. Listen to this. Depraved priests will scandalize the faithful and cause suffering for good priests. Unbridled luxury will ensnare, ensnare souls, many souls, and the loss of innocence among children and the loss of modesty among women. The lack of priestly and religious vocations. Outside of our community and in the Dominican sisters and others, there are lacks. She said this current period of catastrophe will be followed by a period of restoration. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the crucifixion phase. Jesus made it very clear to St. Faustina that the bride must resemble her bridegroom. Who is the bridegroom? Jesus. Who's the bride? The church. When Jesus appeared to her, he was covered in blood, wounds, and spittle. He was basically shredded. And he said the bride must resemble her beloved. The church, just like Christ, in his first part of his public life, has taught, educated, and inspired. But then she's crucified. Now, the church has done many, many wrong things because I'll be very honest with you, the church is human and divine, just like Christ in his nature. In her divine nature, the church will not fail you. You will never, ever be taught heresy. But in her human nature, we can have a bunch of bad things. Now, in this diocese alone, I'm not, or this state alone, I'm not going to open up this for conversation. But it is a pure, proven fact there are falsely accused priests. Now there are many guilty. We need to pray for the victims. Please pray for the victims. There's nothing I can say that can, that can heal those wounds except that I will pray for you and I'm sorry. But I also know that in this state of Pennsylvania, there are innocent priests that have been falsely accused. The church is going through crucifixion for both 
her sins and being falsely accused. The church is being crucified right now. But as it's said in Our Lady of Good Success, there will come a time of restoration. There will come a time where the church will be restored. Pope Benedict said it may be much, much smaller, but it is going to be more faithful. Maybe we are losing a lot of those unfaithful, and that is a shame because nobody should have to leave the church for a scandal that should never have been committed. Sorry, I thought that was my phone. That was somebody else's phone. All right. Now, Mother Mariani, who had these revelations, said that the current period of catastrophe will be followed by a period of restoration. The mother, this mother, Mariani, died in 1635. And in 1906, when they opened her tomb, her body was incorrupt. Powerful stuff. So I want to finish here tonight. I only got a few minutes left with a couple more slides. The rosary. Y'all praying the rosary? Good, good, good. If you haven't read Father Don Calloway's book, Champions of the Rosary, please do. Excellent book. John Paul II prayed it. You see it up there on your screen. The rosary is a powerful weapon. And you know what? If you miss daily mass, if you miss Sunday mass, the next best thing is to go to confession. But if you miss daily mass, pray the rosary. It's like liturgy of the word, the first part of the mass. What's the second part of the mass? Liturgy of the Eucharist. In the liturgy of the Eucharist, what happens? We offer sacrifice. So you pray the chaplet. That's about sacrifice. So if you can't make daily mass, the next best thing is pray the rosary. It's like liturgy of the word, pray the chaplet. It's like the liturgy of the Eucharist and you make a spiritual communion. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. All right. I just got a few, couple more slides, but I love this next one. Probably if you saw, you probably saw me flipping through my slides earlier, so you might know the answer. But I have a quote that I love reading and some of you just saw it as I was earlier flipping through the slides. But this quote is beautiful. Listen to this. It's not long. We are all the children of Mary. Mary is the mother of Jesus and the mother of us all. If Christ is ours, his mother is also ours. She, the lady above heaven and earth, here passes the woman who is raised far above all women. Indeed, above the whole human race, no woman is like unto thee. Thou art more than an empress more than a queen, blessed above all nobility, wisdom, and saintliness. Who said that? Martin Luther, the father of the Protestant Reformation, said you do not throw Mary in the gutter. So when a Protestant says, what are you doing praying to Mary? Tell him to ask Martin Luther. He's prayed the rosary, never gave up on it. Look at some of this. We're going to read these quotes. Watch this. One should honor Mary as she herself wished and as she expressed in the Magnificat. How can we praise her? The true honor of Mary is the honor of God, the praise of God's grace. Mary does not wish that we come to her, but through her to God. Martin Luther. John Vianney. If you invoke the Blessed Virgin when you are tempted, she will come at once to your help and Satan will 
leave you. These are powerful. And you know what? The beautiful thing, and this is for you the beautiful thing, my last slide, <laughs> is this. Is that a beautiful piece of work or what? Now, who made that? Michelangelo. That's the Pieta, right? Beautiful piece of work. Now, the beautiful piece of work here is this. When, kind of like that video I showed you earlier, and I'm going to use this because Scott Hong used this analogy, and I loved it. And I said, hey, can I steal this from you? He's like, sure. The fact is, Scott Hahn, when he gave our retreat, said, you know what? I want to picture, or you to picture that you go back in time to a Renaissance art fair. And in that Renaissance art fair, there's Michelangelo standing next to his piece of masterpiece, piece of work, the Pieta. Now, in that video you just watched, that guy said, if you're at an art show and the artist comes in, you're going to flock to the artist. Now, who is the artist and who is his greatest masterpiece. God is the artist. Mary is his greatest masterpiece. So according to the video we just watched, this guy said, if you were there in front of the artwork and the artist walked in, you'd flock to the artist and say, it's beautiful, well job. Honor the artist, or excuse me, honor the art and you honor the artist. Scott Hahn flipped it a little bit and I liked it. Scott Hahn said, picture you're in a Renaissance art fair and Michelangelo's standing next to the Pieta and you come up and you don't even pay attention to him. And you say, oh, this is a masterpiece. This is beautiful. This brings me closer to God. He said, do you think Michelangelo's gonna sit there and say, hey, hey, wait a minute. I don't want you honoring or really enjoying that piece of work. It's all about me. It's all about me. I'm offended. I'm offended that you are honoring that piece of work. I'm the artist. You honor me. Scott Hahn said that's nuts. And when you honor Mary, God's greatest masterpiece, you are honoring the artist, God himself. This is what is so beautiful. Now, the beautiful thing is most people don't understand what Mary's role is. She can give us grace. You know, it is said that Mary unlocked all the graces at Calvary. She unlocked all the graces of the cross. You just got to ask for them. You ever see the image of Our Lady of Grace with Mary holding her hands out and all those rays are coming from her hands? Does anybody know what Mary said those graces were, or those rays were? Those were graces that many people never asked for. Don't waste them. We have to become like Mary in virtue. She told St. Faustina, humility, purity, and love of God. Be like her. Be humble. Be pure. And be, in most of all, in love with God. This is the role of Mary. Bring her into her, your home, just like John. John, take her into your home. We are all John, as Father Mike said, at the foot of the cross. Take her into your home. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates.
If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.